Episode of the Wiseman Wrestling Podcast, episode sixty-eight, on our way to one hundred episodes. So we are we are closing in on that number pretty soon here. <clears throat> Seems like this time is just just flying by. It's already December first. Um, I don't know about you guys, but the year has passed pretty fast for me. Um, we're already at December first already. We're talking about Christmas, Thanksgiving is already over. Christmas music is playing all over the place. I am not a fan of Christmas music. I'd be the first and the last person to admit that to you. I, 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 for somebody who also works kind of in a retail environment, definitely, definitely can't wait for this, this month to be over. I want it to pass by just as fast as all these other months of this year pass by. Um, this is Gerard, Jay right here, driving for you today. Uh, Sean and Ray taking uh, much-needed time off from the podcast and, and you know, saying doing, doing what they're doing. I uh, wish them the best. I'm going to hold it down for my fellas here because I still want to talk to you. There's still a couple things out there to talk about, and I wanted to kind of speak to you, the audience, about what's been going on. Give them a break. You know, they're probably fatigued for the most part between family stuff, Thanksgiving stuff, work stuff. Because, you know, you still got to go to work in between these holidays. Not everybody gets these holidays off, unfortunately. And on top of that, probably a bit of wrestling fatigue as well. We just had one of the biggest weekends in professional wrestling. And almost like the biggest weekend in professional wrestling um, in Chicago here. Um, you know, the, the WWE was here last weekend for four straight nights in a row. It pretty much dominated everything that was going on here in terms of wrestling, but there was still a freelance wrestling show that I think took place last weekend as well, AAW Pro, which takes place in the same place as freelance wrestling in the Logan Square Arena. They had a show last night as well. Um, AEW, of course, was here at the Sears Arena, so quote-unquote here in the Chicago area. Uh, they also did their show here. Um, so, yeah, it's been a pretty exhausting week for wrestling. Um, we did actually attend the AEW show, uh, AEW Dynamite, that took place on Wednesday. Uh, we did put up a review on the channel, so if you uh, want to check out our AEW review, want to get our views and, and our thoughts, we kind of did a review immediately after the show at the Denny's um, over Pancakes. Uh, we kind of gave us, gave us, gave you guys our thoughts on the show, the good, the bad, the weird. <laughs> So if you want to check that out, just the same place that you're listening to it here. Just go back a couple of episodes, I believe. To check out, it went up as a bonus clip. Um, if you want to hear our thoughts on the show. Um, episode 67, which actually went up pretty late. And by late, as in like yesterday. So if you missed episode 67, and then I don't think that really got promoted properly as well. We did do a full episode before we went to the show. So if you want to check out that episode, um, make sure you listen to that one, maybe before this one, maybe after this one, however you want to do it. Um, but episode sixty-seven did go up. It was a pretty healthy show. Um, so yeah, we've been we we put out content as much as possible this week, and so yeah, you would think that all of us would be tired. You probably need a week off, and that's probably true. I'm I'm pretty tired myself. My back is hurting, but like I said, I still wanted to talk to you guys. This week, didn't want to leave you completely hanging. So here we are, just me and you. We're going to do this. 
Just me and you. We're going to get through this. Let's talk about what's happened this week. Um, coming out of the AEW show, um, something that I was pretty amazed by. Um, a little bit of the bubbly. So, you want to look at this from a case study perspective. Chris Jericho is giving a live mic. Actually, this happened in Chicago. The last time the AEW was in Chicago was for All Out. And at All Out, we crowned the first ever AEW world champion in Le Champion, Chris Jericho. After the show, after the show went off of air, of course, they still gave Chris Jericho a live mic. Now, I wonder if this is something that was live inside of the building. I'm pretty sure it was, and I'm pretty sure it was cool. Um, this went up as a, a, a extra on their YouTube channel immediately after the show. And they gave Chris Jericho a live mic. And if you know anything about Tris, Chris Jericho, one of the things that's going to be part of his legacy is being able to kind of come up with things on the fly. When you give him a microphone, um, he was going backstage. He was roasting people. He's uh, making fun of everybody back there, the wrestlers back there, the workers back there. And then he gets to a room. Um, that seems to be secluded for him. And on there, in the room, is a table with some champagne. And so he decides he's going to have himself a little bit of the bubbly. 24 hours from that time, a little bit of the bubbly was trending on Twitter. About 24 hours after that, a t-shirt in Pro Wrestling Tees went up for a little bit of the bubbly. Um, a t-shirt that I believe sold out <laughs> um, very shortly um, that first run of a little bit of bubbly t-shirts showed up, sold out pretty shortly after that, after this release. Um, had to be something historic. I don't remember exactly what the number was or what the time frame was, but it was pretty historic. I don't think Pro Wrestling Tees ever sold a shirt as, as successful as they sold that shirt. I remember it being bragged about a little bit. Um, and he, we go on to have a couple other catchphrases like, I got a ticket. Um, I believe there was another one I can't think of right now. Um. But Chris Jericho's money, um, it's, 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 it's no secret as to why they decided to put the championship on Chris Jericho and kind of give him his run and let him kind of be the face of the company for now, um, being the biggest name there. Um, but he's still capitalizing on a little bit of the bubbly. He, he announced in a segment at the beginning of the show um, that he actually created a little bit of the bubbly. He um, found some ranching grapes in Nepal. I believe that's where the grapes come from. And they turned it into an actual sparkling wine. And you can pre-order this on littlebitofthebubbly.com. Now, in the building, the internet for our phones was terrible. Um, so we weren't able to pull up any websites there because we were also trying to track down these hoodies that the Lucha, Lucha, that the Lucha Brothers were wearing when they came out to the ring. I'm going to get me one of these hoodies for sure. <laughs> um... But yeah, the internet was terrible, so I couldn't fact check this to see if this is true or this is just something that he was just pulling our chain with. But no, littlebitofthebubbly.com. You can order, bought us a little bit of the bubbly, a sparkling wine by Chris Jericho and AEW. Um, from what I remember, it was two bottles will run you about $46. Um, he's doing pre-orders right now. They're still pumping them, but they said there's only limited supply. So if you're listening to this and you want to know exactly what... You want to drink like Le Champion, then check out littlebitofthebubbly.com. This is, we talk about how a wrestler sometimes, especially when they're not signed, let's say to a major company, the things that they have to do in order to get themselves over and put some money in their pocket. Chris Jericho is a walking, talking economic case study when it comes to this. You want to know how to 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 sell <laughs> and be successful at selling merchandise as an independent contractor and professional wrestler? You got to watch this guy. Of course, there's a lot that goes into it in terms of how long he's been around in the game and the legacy that he's you know creating for himself um, between you know now champagne and t-shirts and cruises. Um, but at the same time, this is a guy who uncannily reinvents himself every time you see him. He's had about maybe 10 or 12 gimmicks inside the WWE. All of them pretty much got over, one better than the other. Um, it's no different here. And, yeah. <laughs> um, 
it's definitely one to look at in terms of of of, of business and and basically how to get over um, you definitely have a a a gleaming example with Chris Jericho who I don't know if the guy sleeps at this point planning cruises wrestling frontman for a band best selling author the guy does it all so he deserves it all so congratulations to Chris Jericho and in, in, in another successful enterprise it's just, it's just it's just crazy how he could just get anything over and while we are on the subject of economics let's talk about another piece of economic news Friday Night Smackdown um I didn't watch the show I'm not eager to watch WWE television you already know that about me and about us um but I do, did catch some of the highlights I saw that Alexa Bliss is back um, who else is back? Somebody else came back after a while. Um, and Bray Wyatt, probably the best part of the show. I know that I do know that our boy um, Mustafa Ali had a great match on this show. Um, did see the highlights for that? Clips and highlights for that. Him, him versus Drew Gulak. So uh, glad to see that those guys are getting some shine on the main roster, quote unquote. But the biggest new coming out of the show is Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt, who last week um, changed the title, the universal title, from a red strap to a blue strap, and a lot of people are calling it the blueberry belt now instead of the tomato belt, um, decided to change the the championship once again. Um, in the episode of the Firefly Funhouse, he said, hey, if I get to have this new toy, The Fiend deserves a new toy as well. He debuted a new, uh, what they're calling hand-stitched or hand-crafted um, Fiend Universal Championship belt, which um, has the face of The Fiend in the middle and, you know, unique straps and unique, you know, just everything about this belt is pretty unique. Um, looks like it's pretty much 100, 125% leather um, with everything crafted and colored, you know, saying in detail to um, to, to spec. Um, this belt is said to be designed by the guy, the man, Tom Savina himself, who also designed the mask, um, who's a legend in Hollywood in terms of, 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 of his work with props and um, different things that he does for horror movies. And... Uh, shortly after that belt was debuted on SmackDown, they decided to put this custom-made belt on WWE Shop. And it's retailing for $6,500. And this is driving the least Twitter out of their mind. For a belt, um, that price is pretty absurd. Um, the highest I've ever seen a belt on WWEshop.com was probably around five to six hundred bucks at one point in time. Probably either when like the new um, heavyweight title um, first debuted, when The Rock first debuted, it, either between that one and maybe like Big Gold. Um, those I feel like at one point in time were around the five to six hundred dollar range. Uh, most of them, like the high the high point right now, is like about four hundred to twenty nine. I know they did make a custom Undertaker belt that we've never seen anywhere. They just kind of decided to make an Undertaker belt. Um, this one is actually retailing for seven hundred and forty nine dollars. So that's pushing, that's pushing it up. Um, that price. Um, I'm expecting. To see, yeah, the this broken skull belt is on there. I've seen that belt uh, when Stone Cold was interviewing the Undertaker. <laughs> um, so I was expecting another run from that one as well. Um, but yeah, that Undertaker, that custom Undertaker belt that I don't think anybody wants, it's unless you're just a really bona fide belt collector of all things WWE, that one is $749. But. The Fiend Custom Belt, $6,500. Um, 
thing about it is it's a piece of art. So as a belt, that's just pretty absurd for a price. But, um, I mean, if you're a bonafide collector, I mean, it's nothing that, you know, can be said to you if you really, really want that belt. And I'm actually on WWE Sharp right now. It's not here anymore. I don't know if it was here at all. I uh, believe it was listed here at one point in time. We had to get that price from somewhere. Um, but yeah, um, $6,500 just so you can have a belt. Um, like I said, you had to be a pretty serious collector for that um, as a piece of art. You know what I'm saying? It is, it is pretty um, artistic if you're into set that sort of thing. So in that case, you really couldn't put a price on it. Uh, but I tell you what, though. For $6,500, that is a collector's piece. That is definitely something you keep at home. That is definitely something that you don't play with. You probably keep it locked in some sort of case or displayed in some sort of way. Um, if you really want to have it, um, I tell you what, I definitely do not want to see any children or anybody showing up at the Allstate Arena with the $6,500 belt. Because <laughs> that would just be absurd. And don't know. That that would be that'd be crazy if, if you let your kids show up to to a WWE show with a sixty five hundred dollar belt. Or even let them take it to school or anything like that. That'd be crazy. Um That is not the I do not want to see anybody playing with money like that. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna let you know right now. You show up to the Allstate Allstate Arena the next time the WWE shows up with a $6,500 belt on your shoulder. It's not like I want to go on here and and admit to wanting to commit a crime. You know, don't want to preemptively. Let somebody know that, you know, something bad is going to happen to them. But, seeing somebody walking around with a $6,500 accessory, you never know that's going to bring out of somebody. Don't do it. Just don't do it. <laughs> Just don't do it. Find better ways to spend your money. Unless you think that's something that's going to be worth money later on, keep it at home. Don't don't bring it out. Speaking of SmackDown, and I believe officially, um, my man is still on SmackDown. Uh, Luke Harper, or the guy known as Luke Harper in the WWE, he recently filed for a trademark on the name Brody Lee. If you're not familiar with Brody Lee, Brody Lee was the um, was the gimmick that he was using, that Luke Harper was um, using before he got signed with the WWE. He had his name taken away from him, and it's you know everything switched around just like everybody else that they don't really believe in what they go through when they sign a WWE contract. Um, he filed a trademark for that name. Now, according to the to the math here, had he not had his contract extended. His contract would be up or would be close to being over by now. Um, when he originally, he was one of the first people who originally pinned a beautiful public uh, declaration of wanting to leave the company and posted it on Twitter. Um, and reports came out that that request was denied. And not only was the request denied, it was also reported that he had some time tacked on to his contract. Based on some time that he took, he took off because of surgery that he had, he needed to have on his hand. So, um, the time that was tacked on was reported anywhere between two to six months. Um, he was off TV for a, a, a good amount of time, but not all of that time was because of an injury. It was sometime in the middle of the time that he was off that he decided to get his injury, get his um, injury taken care of with his hand, get surgery, and had to rehab it. So, I'm not sure exactly what the amount of time was. Um, like I said, the the reported time was anywhere, anywhere between two to six months. But had that time not been tacked on, his contract would be close to being over um, as of right now. So 
it's you know the timing of, of everything is great. Um, from what I understand from WWE contracts, that once you fulfill that contract, um, there's nothing on the tail end of it that, that's a uh, um a non compete or where he can't show up on somebody else's television. It's usually if you get released before your contract is up, that the the non compete clause kind of goes into effect. Um, depending on how you have your deal structure, but for the most part, once you complete a contract, you complete a contract, and you're free to go and do whatever you want to do. So maybe this is just Luke Harper being hopeful, or we should just start calling Brody at this point because it's pretty much a done deal. He really wants out of the WWE, and this is just another step that kind of proves it. But um, will they still let him out of his contract now? Is it still going to be extended? Um, we don't know at this point, but we do know that this is just a definite move that he's, he's, he's not interested in being with the WWE anymore. And you, you can't blame him if you understand his perspective of just wanting to be in the ring and performing and not wait on the sidelines, waiting for them to come up with something for him to do. Um, if you look back at, you know, what they had him doing before, I mean, he's a former intercontinental champion. Um, he was great with, with part as part of the Wyatt family at the first incarnation of Bray Wyatt. Um, for whatever reason, they decided to constantly break them up and put them back together and break them up. I'm not sure what all that was about. He seemed to be doing well on his own. If you ever actually heard him speak, because he doesn't really have a speaking role uh, on the WWE, he's actually very astute and very intelligent, and um, there's definitely more to him than what we've been given um, over, the, I'm going to say, the past six years. Um, since he's been between NXT and the main roster. Um, so it's a shame that, you know, they're not interested in using him anymore. I'm pretty sure that's what all that is about. Um, if you if you remember that he pretty much got taken off of TV after he participated in the World's Collide uh, tournament for WrestleMania last year, I want to say. I don't know if it was the one this year. No, I think it was the one this year that he was a part of. And um, he seemed to do great in the tournament. Um, he had not been wrestling too much before then. Um, they had him doing this weird bludgeon butter thing with um, Eric Rowan, which, I mean, went over for a little bit. They were the tag team champions for a while. Um, they're actually in WrestleMania, were they? It's, it's so hard to even remember what he's done last with this company. Um, but he's definitely done. Um, he was the first first of the batch of people who wanted to get out and who decided to ask for the release publicly. And it totally backfired on him. Um, but yeah, I think we're close to, to, to seeing him out of this company. He's definitely trying to, you know what I'm saying, be quiet and, and stay on a straight and narrow and do things the right way. But, you know, seeing this trademark come out is definitely pretty much about to be over. Um, hopefully, um, unless WWE has some other ace up their sleeve, um, that's going to prevent this guy from being able to leave this company ever. <laughs> but we do wish him the best. Um, I did mention that AAW Pro was in Chicago last night. Um, this did feature the return of ACH, Super ACH, or ACH Super. However, he is um, stacking his name now. Um... I'm pretty sure that um, one of the outlets, I think, IndieProWrestling.com um, has probably got this um, this this show up there. Or there's a lot of the clips on YouTube that you can catch um, for ACH's. Uh, I believe this is probably his first show, first or second show since he's, you know, been let out of the company or he quit the company. Um, usually... If it's a situation where he's still under contract with the WWE, it just bars him from being from somebody else's television. But something like an AEW, AEW Pro or Freelance or anything that does maybe pay-per-view but not, um, like small-time pay-per-view but not television, um, it's not necessarily a breach of contract. But we don't really know where his head is right now. I just think he just wants to wrestle um on the indies and not even be bothered with the WWE anymore. I do hope that he is doing things legally or not getting himself in any trouble. This show also featured Killer Cross, who is also um, in his own kind of contract situation with Impact Wrestling and the contract that he has there, whereas I believe it's um, 
a non-exclusive deal, so he can go to other promotions and get money. It just bars him from being tel- on television or signing any exclusive contracts with any other um, company. So AEW Pro, um, he showed up a few times, and this has been a safe space for him um, for the time being while he's still working out his situation. So hopefully this is also the sa- a safe space for ACH. Um, you might want to go back and check like some of the tweets <coughs> or maybe about something on YouTube. Um, I think I have a small clip here. Or one thing that ACH is great at doing at these shows is speaking directly to the crowd from the heart. Um, it's been so he's he's done some great speeches from this particular um show at this particular location in terms of um, anti-bullying and kind of just you know, galvanizing the crowd towards indie wrestling. He had a few words to say here. I'm gonna try to play a little bit here, see if you can hear it here. Um, but definitely the first words that he's spoken. Um, to the public since he's departed from the WWE. Uh, let's take a listen real quick. A lot of people don't understand what folder culture means. Everyone's going to take that word culture and they're going to spin it to what they want. And that's okay. And that's the power of it. But what people have to understand, this is the culture. This. Because these upper echelons and these billionaires they believe they know what you want, but they don't know what you want because they don't come to places like this. They don't see the passionate thing. In fact, you go there and you get tired of what they feed you because this is what you want. AAW is what you want. Indie professional wrestling is what you want. This is not the first time that um, um, Martin Luther ACH has showed up at a, um, at, in, a, in, the, in the professional ring. And I don't mean to say that to make light of the situation or make a joke. I mean, um, this is a guy who's really serious about um, in the professional wrestling and, and about wrestling culture. Um, you see, you heard him kind of explain exactly what the culture means, even though people are going to take that for what it's worth. And take that, you know, so to me, whatever people want it to mean. But um, ACH is definitely defining himself as the underdog here um, in the situations. And he's talking about the billionaires. Yeah, we know he's talking about, you know, saying the WWE, but he also could be talking about Ring of Honor as well, which is owned by Sinclair Broadcasting. And he did hint at having some issues with Ring of Honor um, prior to him leaving there. So um, from here, just want to wish ACH the best. I'm pretty sure the show that he put on last night was spectacular because he is a spectacular in-ring performer. Um, and uh, I just hope that he doesn't just get himself into any other trouble um, with his mouth and his emotions. It's, he has every right to, you know, say, feel the way he feels and express himself however he wants to express himself. But, you know, you just want to see the brother win. Um, I never really felt great about him going to the WWE, going to NXT. Um, it just didn't really feel like a good fit for him. Um, I'm not going to lie, felt a little same way about Cedric Alexander. He seemed to have found some success, but he's also, <laughs> Cedric has also admitted to, you know, a few weird things that have happened since he's been there. And he's kind of loosely attached himself to this horticulture movement. Um, pretty much the only other guy inside of the WWE who may have said something uh, to that effect. And there's still these rumors that are, um, floating around about how ACH is trying to get Cedric Alexander out <laughs> of the WWE. Um, trying to f- figure out how to free his brother um, there. Um, so like I said, I hope no one else gets in trouble. He doesn't get in trouble. No one else gets in trouble because of this. And, you know, at the end of the result, people are happy and healthy and we get good wrestling out of it. Um, that's, that's all you can really hope for from these situations. Um... So let me just shift gears here because we're talking about people being happy and healthy and and putting on a great performance here. Uh, we do have some news coming out of Full Gear. Full Gear was the AEW branded uh, pay-per-view out of Baltimore, Maryland. And this is still coming up in the news because... Um, as of yesterday, the afternoon, um, the main event of this show, which was a lights out match between John Moxley and Kenny Omega, is now being 
investigated uh, by the Maryland State Athletic Commission. Um, and it seems to be because of a hater. Um, AEW has, has gained a powerful hater in the name of Chris Cruz. Um, Chris Cruz, um, from what I understand, is a journalist. He has his own podcast where he talks about um, um, wrestling. He's got a podcast called Wrestling With History. I don't know if I should be promoting him at this point, but um, he does do a lot of talking about why he doesn't see AEW succeeding. Um, now, we do know, if you know anything about business, um, you got to put about, if you really want to see, see a business go through and you know, so you want to make sure that it gets off on his best foot. You're usually going to have to put about five years in. You got to be able to sustain about five years of business, um, pretty much in the red or you know, in the negative, not really making any profit, um, before you can see whether or not this business is actually going to sink or swim. And being that this company in existence has only been about a year, I think it's going to be a year. Well, as far as we know, by the time. All Elite Wrestling was something that was announced. It was announced on January 1st of 2019. So, you know what I'm saying? Barring whatever business took place behind the scenes before it was actually announced to the public, this company has only been in existence for a year. And within, within a year to exist, to put on several successful sold-out shows and pay-per-views, um, put on a, a, a charity event that raised a good amount of money, and score, score a TV deal... Um, and now they're what seven episodes, seven eight episodes into a, uh, a TV deal on cable, uh, which is seeing over three quarters of a million people per week tuning in, um, all hitting that target that tar- that target range of eighteen to forty nine in the ratings. Um, this this company is already to what many would consider a successful start, even though this year also having a lot of contract signings and. Um, a lot of businesses that they're a lot of businesses that they're trying to establish. Of course, they're spending a lot of money. Um, so Cruz's argument is that based on the money that they're spending, um, that um, he doesn't really see AEW succeeding. This is something that they're just going to bleed out, and you know, so they need to see a greater return. Um, in order for them to be successful. Um, to which I would argue that you know they still have time, if they're really smart about the business that they're doing. It's going to take five years and they can spend all those five years in the red just as long as on the other side, they can make educated decisions about what they should do next with the business. Um, but AEW is good for the next five years unless something just cataclysmically happens. And here's one of the things, I don't know, this is on a cataclysmic level, but this is one of the things that, you know, so the AEW has to face. They're being investigated by the um, Athletic Commission of Maryland, uh, which it, to uh, to the credit of this article on wrestling.inc or wrestlinginc.com um it looks like a lot of this stuff was brought to the attention of the Maryland uh sports department by Cruz himself or at least he said he had plans to contact the Maryland State Athletic Commission on why they didn't enforce certain things in that main event of full gear now it seems like one of the rules and there's a list of rules what they call prohibited activities, um, things that can't take place in, in the middle of the ring for anybody who holds a license to perform there, and things like, um, it seems pretty ridiculous when you think about uh, what professional wrestling is, but um, striking the opponent with fists and knuckles, scratching and gouging the opponent, uh, budding the opponent, I don't know exactly what they mean by budding, um, Slamming the opponent into a ring post, uh, striking the opponent with a foreign object, uh, pulling of the hair, stranglehold, <coughs> jump from the ring ropes to an opponent, uh, deliberately leave the ring enclosure during a contest. Um, yeah, so many just pretty archaic rules when you think about a wrestling match, and especially a wrestling match that would involve John Moxley. Um, in any sort of compassion, this is pretty much the list of everything that's going to happen in, inside of this match. And yet, on the Maryland State Athletic Commission site, um, under Section F, this is a list of activities that are actually prohibited um, in, in a match or a, you know, 
exhibition that's being shown in front of people that they sell tickets for. Um, but the one, but the one um, article that Chris is actually arguing and pushing for the most seems to be um, blading. Um, blading is just a, a practice that's been part of wrestling since the inception of wrestling. Um, sometimes a match um, needs a little something extra in order to make it special, or I won't say need it, um, but you know some matches do have that extra special thing um, accorded, um, added to them um, in order to make it special, and a lot of people call it, in the industry, they call it uh, showing a little color, and what happens is, is that sometimes, you know, a move is performed, and we're supposed to, to believe that this move is pretty devastated to the fact that it it causes the opponent to bleed and sometimes even bleed profusely. And really what this what's done on the back end is that a razor blade is used, make a small cut, usually in the forehead or the head, um, to to kind of add blood to the situation. Um, definitely not something that's safe, um, especially nowadays with we're talking about pathogens and diseases, um, and things that can happen when you're, you know, inside of the ring. Um, John Moxley knows a lot about that um, with his two bouts with MRSA. Um, how dangerous that is nowadays, but it's something that's always been done in wrestling. Um, something that the WWE has kind of shied away from, but it does happen every once in a while in WWE. Um, we know that AEW so far, especially with the especially with the pay-per-views up to this point, um, have shown their fair share of color, um, mostly with Cody um, the match with him and his brother, and then him getting bashed in the head by, um, by Sean Spears, um, that left a nasty gouge in his head, um, you know, color is just, it's something that AEW is going to do to make some of these matches look special, it's something that they're not, excuse me, that they're not going to shy away from, it just so happens that, you know, say with most state athletic commissions, uh, this is something that is frowned upon and even something they can, they can be fined for something that's flat out illegal. And it seems like in Maryland, we're being pointed out that it might not have been such a good idea for them to show kind of color inside of this match. Now, if you go back and look at that match from full gear, um, they pulled out all the stops. <laughs> um, like I said, this list of things that are supposed to be prohibited seems like they covered, they checked the box on every one of these and then some, and they definitely bladed in this match. Well, we're not going to say they allegedly bladed in this match, but if you see everything that happened, um, it might not it might not have been um, intentional at all. It might have just been something that just happened. You know, so at one point in time, there was a barbed wire bat and a barbed wire broom <laughs> that was used in this match. So, you know, it, the blood is always going to be inevitable, whether they planned it or not. But now the um, Athletic Commission did officially state as of yesterday that this match in particular is under investigation. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen at the end of it. I'm not sure exactly what the goal is. And I'm not exactly sure what Chris Cruz's goal is here. Um, he definitely doesn't seem like he is a fan of either AEW or maybe this style of wrestling. Um, he has a quote here that sounds pretty nasty. Since AEW has millions of dollars from a son of a billionaire and it's not setting the world on fire and will not succeed, it may last a long time, but it'll never be profitable. Someone once said, if you want to be a millionaire, start with a billion dollars and buy an airline. It's the same thing with a pro wrestling organization. It's just going to bleed you dry. Not everything is guaranteed to last forever. It's my conviction that wrestling has seen better days. Um... Yeah, maybe this guy's just not a fan of pro wrestling in general, but you know, this article at least for is is kind of spinning it to make it seem like Chris is the one that's actually bringing it to their attention, um, and yeah, just want to start causing troubles. But you know what? Haters is sometimes a, a a mark of success. It means you must be doing something right. Um, you must be doing something successful when you got people who are, that are kind of willing to go out of their way and use their platforms to try to take you down. So, um. We'll see what what happens with this. It's real easy to say that these guys have a lot, a lot of money and therefore they'll be able to handle this. But, you know, I do really feel that Tony Khan is really taking a hands on this. He's not really leaning too much on daddy's dollars um, and that they want AEW to be a self-sustainable company. And they want to do it by being smart. And Tony Khan, for the most part, has shown 
how smart that he can be in these situations. So, um, you know, WWE has had his time um, dealing with things like this, dealing with steroids and, you know, some other types of um, criticisms on this level. So, you know, this is going to be another thing that's going to prove what kind of company AEW really is. Um, I would hope that they come out on top. Um, and, you know, hope that they don't have to use too many nefarious means in order to do so. Um, we don't want to start looking at them like we want to look at, you know, the WWE as being big, bad, and evil. <laughs> uh, but, you know, this is just the cost of doing business. Um, you got to expect it. You got to expect haters. You got to expect getting sued. Um, this is just all the things that you have to prepare for. I really take it as, as Tony's, Tony and the um, people that he's put together to be pretty smart. So I hope that that carries them and they'll see the other side of this and we'll see exactly what happens, you know, saying at the end of this, um, but that's just really, really rotten on Chris's part. I don't see where, what somebody like him has to gain by drawing this attention to, you know, saying this company, unless you just really hate him or you just really hate professionally wrestling in general. But then why have a wrestling podcast? If you hate it, I guess you can almost ask all of us the same question. Because most of us do our fair share of hating on the WWE. I'll tell you something else that I do hate. Um, I hate the isms. And I was very, very happy to talk to you all this week for the first time in what seems to be like forever about something else other than racism. Um, it seems like for the most part, not too many racist things notable happened this week. But um, definitely something else happened that... Um, was crazy, and this is something I have to champion because this is actually a good story. Um, Trisha Parker, Trisha Parker, also known as Jordan Grace, uh, from Impact Wrestling. Um, actually, from all over the place. If you've never seen her before, she's amazing. Um, she is the daughter of Big Papa Pump, <laughs> um, uh, Scott Steiner. Um, and she tweeted out, uh, something yesterday that was pretty interesting it seems like her and tessa and a few other girls from impact were at a independent show um that also featured also may have featured the sandman or maybe he was just backstage um but she had a conversation with the sandman um where he kind of expresses his uh his take on main events um he expressed an opinion to her in front of several of the other women that were on the show that night, about how a main event is really the place for men, you know? That men should be, you know what I'm saying, wrestling on a main event of a show and not not women. Um, it seemed, seemed wrong. <laughs> and he emphasized that any wrestler, any male wrestler, any sort of experience would agree. Um, this is something that would said to them, um, before they main invented this this uh, show, and <laughs> I I don't even know. Um, women have and I've I've expressed this on the show before, um, more so when it relates to the WWE. But in general, uh, women have had to fend for themselves in terms of um, being able to put together a career and a persona for themselves. Um, storylines for themselves and, and be able to do something that's interesting and fun for crowds and for people who pay for tickets. Um, we've made some incredible strides in just the last two years, um, which should have been like the last five or ten um, in terms of, of how we view women in in this industry. Um, but Impact being the same company, being of the same company that was TNA, about five to ten years ago, um, who at that time also had a pretty deep and and, and um, pretty established women's roster who were out there, you know, saying doing what they got to do and, and, and actually wrestling and showing us, you know, saying that there's much more to it than what professional wrestling in general has always shown us um, in terms of what a woman's role is. Um, it wasn't until, the, you know, in 2018 when the WWE decided to jump on his this bandwagon and started to try to take credit for everything. And, you know, so they did some great things as well. A lot of first, um, in terms of like first main event of WrestleMania, first 
Hell in a Cell, first Elimination Chamber, like, you know, the first all over again uh, Women's Tag Team Champions, even though that's not really true. But, I mean, you know, they really did change the face of of what we expect from women inside of the square circle. And all the other promotions are more or less kind of falling in line. Um, we see, we, we talk a lot about AEW and what we want and expect from them, especially in terms of what we promise. And we're getting a lot of what we promise. We've been seeing a lot of great talent there as well. Um, Impact has always seemed to keep a few women in the tuck in terms of, of, of talented individuals that can go inside of the ring. And now they have Jordan Grace. They have Tessa Blanchard. Um, they have some great women over there um, that are doing some amazing things. And to think that there's still people out there who still think like this, but you know what? There's still people, you know, saying I think it's okay to say what they say uh, uh, about people of color. You got to expect this uh, from the side of women as well. Um, it's unfortunate and it's, it's disgusting that in this day and age, um, especially with people that, you know, wrestlers will kind of look up to, um, these older guys who, you know, said who've been, you know, carrying a torch for as long as they've been carrying it. Um, you know, for them to have these kind of views, it's gotta be demoralized. It's gotta be deflating. Um, you gotta really pick and choose your heroes. And I'm not sure exactly, you know, saying in what capacity the Sandman was there, uh, or, or why he had any business being around any of the women in the first place. Um, if not, if, if for no other reason to support them, um, for, for this to kind of come out of his mouth, I mean, it's like, on the one hand, maybe you can expect it. Maybe you can expect somebody like a Sam to kind of feel this way, um, on this, this grimy sexist level. Um, but at the same time, respect this respect, regardless of how you feel, you are there at a show that is going to be headlined by women and you don't have to like it. But gosh, like, you know, for one, I mean, it's happening whether you like it or not. And to have that kind of point of view and to be able to voice that to somebody who's getting ready to perform, you know, I've seen clips from the show and it looks like that main event was awesome. So I'm hoping that means that Trish and the rest of the rest of the women there took that as motivation and took that to the ring with them and left it there. Um, it sure looks like they did. Um, I've seen the one clip where Trish Parker kind of does like a, a, a dive from the ground and like three, no, saying three rows into the, to the crowd. So, <laughs> um, I, I, you know, if she didn't have that in there before, you know, saying if it all, it only took for Sam to say some asshole stuff to her in order for her to have that in her, then, you know, more power to him. Um, but, you know, saying that to, to say something nasty like that to somebody, before they have to go out there to perform in front of their people, like, that's just, that's unprofessional. Um, that has to be unprofessional, even on that level, on a professional wrestling, on any professional wrestling level. Um, it seems like something that you would, you know, at least the opinion that you would keep to yourself or wait till after the show where you're in the bar and you're saying something stupid so that somebody can bust a bottle over your head for being so, so, so stupid. But to say something like that to somebody before they have to go to perform, that has to be, you know, saying that even, you know, saying what you're saying, but the fact that you would do that, you know, saying before somebody has to go out there and do what they have to do, you know, that's, that's incredibly rude. That's incredibly rude. And for that, I'm sorry. Um, to Trish and all the rest of them who have to put up with that crap. Um, um, but on top of that to, you know, come on, like it's over, you know, I just had this conversation on the last show, hopefully, that you may have listened to, and I talked about how, you know, the experience, the stories, um, maybe some of the critiques in terms of technique, you know, said things that, you know, what constructive criticism, constructive criticism and, you know, saying stories about things that have happened uh, is, is what we appreciate the veterans for, the alumni for. Um, it's definitely what I appreciate from from Kevin Nash, go back and listen to any of his shoot interviews. He's always got some great story to tell about something that happened in, back in the good old days. Always insightful and always funny. But you know what? The opinion, 
the opinion of of what's going on right now in professional wrestling from these guys who are not, you know, saying wrestling anymore. These guys who days have passed them is so irrelevant because they're not customers. We've already paid the tickets. We've already turned on the television. We've already paid for the pay-per-views. We are buying the t-shirts. That opinion is reserved for us. And if it's not something that we don't want to see, we wouldn't be paying for it. So, I know that's a thin line, you know? Because it's just things are just not the way that they used to be. But we don't care about your opinion. We do not care. You can keep that crap to yourself. But according to the tweets, it seems like they handled it pretty well. So I don't have to do too much champion on their, on their, on their behalf. Plus, if you know what Jordan Grace can lift and what she can squat, you know, at any given time, she could probably ball that bastard up anyway. So kudos to her for being the bigger quote-unquote man in the situation because <laughs> that's just a shame and we're long overdue for having that conversation as well in terms of you know saying the women and how they have to kind of fend for themselves um in this industry um but keep fighting because we support you the wiseman wrestling podcast supports you um that's pretty much all the show that I got for you today. I did want to respond to one other thing that I saw on Twitter. Been trying to get a new segment going on the show. Because um, we're not actually answering questions yet. So the next step would be to just kind of insert ourselves into other conversations that are already been having, been had without, without us. Um, but there's a question from a guy named Rob on Twitter. Um... That simply asks, what's wrong with wrestling? And I'm probably going to retweet this tweet um, for our fans so they can chime in on this conversation. You know, a lot of you guys have probably already answered this question, but it's simple, sweet, and to the point. What's wrong with wrestling? Um, my response? Sports entertainment. Sports entertainment and the exploitation of professional wrestlers um, for a cause that has nothing to do with professional wrestling. Um, a lot of guys to this day um, still think that someplace like the WWE is the mecca for a professional wrestler because it's the place where you're going to get paid the most money. You're going to get the most exposure. But it's the one place where you have to give up so much of your dignity in order to even be a player in that game. And for most of those guys, if you have that kind of, I don't want to say kayfabe dream, but you kind of have that, you know, that dream of being a world champion in a company and being a big deal there, um, you know, it's it's going to have a lot to do with how well you're willing to pay ball, play ball. But for the most part, if you're not an established name before you got there, you're not going to be able to keep your name and your likeness. You're going to have to succumb to whatever they want you to do. And it's going to be your job to give, to get anything that they give you over. So, for example, as great as a Chad Gable is, if this shorty G thing doesn't work out, it's going to be bad for him if, if the WWE is where he wants to be and that's where he wants to shine. Period point blank. It's probably the, the dumbest thing for him to do. But if he can't get that gimmick over and if he can't get us to support him and to buy his t shirts and to tune in and, and, and raise the ratings every time he shows up on television, like if he can't get that gimmick over, like, you know what I'm saying? It's not going to be, he's not going to have a great career for them. He'll be able to say that he's making the money. He'll be able to say that he's he's getting to travel. He's getting to do things that he probably wouldn't do with a, with another wrestling company. Um, you know, saying like all the outreach stuff. But as far as what he's going to be on television and what his legacy of his character is going to be, if any part of him cares about that, um, 
it's not going to look well for him unless Shorty G becomes like the next John Cena or the next Undertaker or Roman Reigns. And you can guarantee that they're not looking at him like that. They're looking, they're looking at a 5'7 guy with a credible amount of talent, uh, physical talent, um, as a superstar. So they're testing him. They're giving him something to, to try to get over. But, you know, there's a part of him that thought that being a professional wrestler was going to serve him well in this company. And that's not what this company is about. Um, and I can only pick on this company because it's the company that complains to be a sports entertainment company and not a wrestling company. But this idea of sports entertainment is something that can exist. Um, but when it exists to the extent that it does, where it takes advantage of independent contractors and keeps it on the contract exclusively, and it doesn't allow these people to be anything else except for what they want them to be, um, this old school level of control that a lot of these new schoolers don't, you know, have to put up with anymore. Um, yeah, it's it's becoming a virus. It's becoming a cancer of the professional wrestling community. Um, if something like AEW, and who's to say what AEW is going to be in five years, if, you know, say the light goes off there and they decided they can't be a wrestling company anymore either, that they have to kind of try to be something else and use wrestlers to get themselves there. Um, you know, so we can only keep hope alive that they still want to be a professional wrestling company. That Ring of Honor gets his head out of his ass and starts being the company that it's supposed to be. The Impact continues to make the strides that it's making um, to make a comeback and, and, and be a major player here in the, in the States. And, you know, even New Japan, um, be successful at kind of conquering the rest of the world from where they're at. Um, collectively making professional wrestling something interesting again, um, to the masses and letting these companies be successful enough to where you don't have to exactly go to the WWE and do what they want to do in order for you to, you know, saying have that same type of opportunities for the type of money and exposure that they're offering right now. Um, sports entertainment is the, is the cancer of it. You know, the exploitation of these guys who want to wrestle to getting them to do other things like, you know, tabloid angles like what Rusev is doing, Rusev and Lana are doing. Um, like, to me, sports entertainment is the cancer. Sports entertainment is what's wrong with professional wrestling. That's my answer. That's my two. Um, with that, I'm going to close because I don't need to be here all day. I don't have my guys with me. They're resting. It's time for me to go get some rest. Um, one thing I will leave you with before I go, the what to watch this week. I was not aware that Mauro Ranallo's documentary, uh, Bipolar Rock and Roller, was available for free on YouTube. I thought this was something that was produced by HBO and that you probably going to have to subscribe to like HBO Max or something in order for you to see this documentary that's so amazing. Um, but I definitely think that you guys should check this out this week. Um, we spoke about it on the last show about Mar Ranallo kind of disappearing from Survivor Series and he wasn't on NXT this past week as well. Um, he shut down his Twitter and this is all kind of at the tail end of Corey Graves kind of making a, a, a stupid comment in which he halfway apologized for, um, kind of insinuating that Mar Ranallo is, you know, taking up all the, all the TV time from, from Nigel McGinnis and, you know, so his other co-stars on NXT. Um, and it's just, it's just a nasty thing to do. We talked about how things like that should be handled. Like, if you have a problem with a co-worker, maybe you should take it up with a co-worker. And I think the last place you need to take up those kind of problems was on Twitter. Um, he complained, he claimed that he was just trying to create some heat. Because they were going into Survivor Series. So I call BS on that. I don't think that's what he meant. I think he just was being, you know, Corey Graves. Who, who's always been known to kind of be a dick here and there. And this was no different. Um, just in general, when you have a problem like that with another co-worker. The public forum is not the place to do it. Especially if, 
you know, so the guy that you're complaining about is not playing ball with you. They don't communicate with you like that or they're not, you know, they're trying to run a public angle with you. Um, Mark Ronaldo's never been a part of any angles. It's not what he does. Um, he's great at what he does. He doesn't just do it for the WWE. He does it for different places. He's the only guy seasoned on that roster um, that can handle uh, doing the play-by-play calls. And, you know, so he's, we're lucky that he decided to come back to work for NXT after having to deal with JBL and his, uh, him being a jerk towards Mauro Ronaldo and not really understanding what Mauro goes through and, you know, not really trying to get into the whole um, mental illness thing, um, mental wellness thing. Um, but Mauro Ronaldo does suffer from bipolar. And um, in spite of it, he does a great job. And he doesn't really need anybody else to critique him. I'm pretty sure he will take um, constructive criticism because that just comes with the job. But he does the job so well. Um, he shouldn't have to deal with people like Corey Graves. And this would have been the first time, if he was showed up for Survivor Series, this would have been the first time that he's ever done any work on the main roster since he, since he left SmackDown because of the last controversy. And Corey Graves just messed it up for him coming back. And now he's not even showing to NXT. Uh, he shut his Twitter down. He actually showed up for the Survivor Series with his boy Frank Shamrock and turned around and left the building. <laughs> I don't know how smart it is to, to mess with somebody whose best friend is Frank Shamrock. It seems pretty dumb to me. And anytime you can just go to sleep. Um, but I digress. Um, I think in absence of Mario Ronaldo not being on social media right now, you know what I'm saying, taking the time to get himself back together to heal. Um, hopefully he will be back on NXT, but... I think um, one other great way to show our love and support for him, if you are a Mario Ronaldo fan, I'm a Mario Ronaldo Mark. So, you know what I'm saying? This, I could just be preaching to, to myself here. Um, but, yeah, I say take a look at that documentary that's available for free on YouTube. It's called um, Bipolar Rock and Roller. Um, it's a documentary about Mario Ronaldo and what he goes through on a daily basis to to stay on top of his uh, his mental illness, to be mentally well, and to be able to perform his job at the level that he performs it. Um, I think if a, if we get a spike in those views, um, that it show that you know his true fans are still out there rooting for him, and still care about him, and we're taking strides to understand more and more about what it takes to be him, and for him to be able to perform um, on the level that he does, and. The fact that, once again, we don't care about the opinions of these other guys because we 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 vote with our dollars and, and our attention is our currency and we spend it how we want to spend it. And um, the fact that, you know, NXT in itself is doing okay in the ratings as well. You saw, you know what I'm saying, it, it beat AEW in the ratings about a couple of weeks ago and it's been sitting at the, you know, 800,000 range. Um, ever since it's been on television, I mean, we're, you know, we're showing you what we like. And I think most people like Mauro Ranallo. A couple of people I've seen don't really like his hip-hop references. I think that's, like, the best thing about him. Um, <laughs> but to each his own. I'm definitely those guys who probably wouldn't agree are not going out their way to make Mauro Ranallo feel bad about him doing his job. But I digress. My what to watch this week, uh, bipolar rock and roller, uh, story of Mario Ronaldo, what he goes through on a daily basis to be as great as he is. And on that note, I'm going to get out of here. Um, it's been great spending this one-on-one time with you next week. My brothers will be back. It'll be more debating. It'll be more angry Puerto Rican, as a lot of you guys um like. Um, but in the meantime, you want to talk to us about what's been going on. Um, despite the fact that we're probably wrestling fatigued at this point, you can find us on Twitter, mainly on Twitter, at We Are The Wise Men. Um, we're, we want to do stuff with Wise Men Wrestling Podcasts on Instagram and, and Facebook, but you know, we're tired and we're, trying to, we're still trying to figure this out. Um, we're 68 episodes in, so at least, you know, so we're doing one thing right. 
um, by keeping the show going. Um, but we definitely want to interact with you guys. So Twitter's the best bet. We are the wise men on Twitter. Um, you can you can listen to us exactly where you're listening to it. Uh, listen to we're exactly where you're listening to us from right now. <laughs> um, but it's all courtesy of Anchor.fm. If you go to Anchor.fm forward slash Wise Men Dash Wrestling Dash Podcast, you can see everywhere that you can listen to us from. And you can also see that we can listen to you. You can leave us a voicemail there as well. If you have any questions or comments or, you know, um, hateful speech that you want to leave us, we welcome it all because, you know, we're not scared of anybody um, behind a phone or, or a computer. <laughs> so uh, whatever you got, uh, we're here. Um, and on that note, I'm going to leave you with the same thing I leave you with every week, something that I just believe in, that we do vote with our dollars. Um even if you have 6,500 of those, those things, <laughs> that's definitely a vote. That's definitely a vote towards something that you really believe in. Um, our attention is our currency, you know, it really is in terms of professional wrestling. We're talking about those ratings and that's exactly what it comes down to what we pay attention to. So our attention is our currency. You vote with your dollars. And even if you are a mark, at least make sure that you make a positive mark on this this life. And on that note, see you next week. <laughs>